Find 2 Chronicles chapter number 7. 2 Chronicles chapter number 7. I'm going to turn this other mic on here for us. And again, what a privilege to be with you. Thank you, Pastor, for having us. And uh, I'm telling you, we're privileged. Uh, my wife and I, we were driving, and uh, we've gotten to see so much of our country already. It's just incredible. We're talking about it's just a privilege to get to travel and to see so many incredible things. God's given us a beautiful land, hasn't he? And every part's different. We're thankful for it. I'm thankful for the body of Christ. I'm going to tell you, in the uh, couple years the Lord has allowed us to travel, I have come to learn there is nothing on this earth like the body of Christ. And you can find it all over this world. Isn't that something? And uh, it, it's even in more places than COVID is. I'm going to tell you, okay? And it's all over the world. It's as diverse as can be. And thank the Lord for that. And it is wonderful. And uh, in just a week, we'll be in Africa. I'll be in Africa. And you know what I'll find in Africa? The body of Christ. Isn't that something? And so we are so thankful to be with you. I do want to echo what Pastor said. Be here as much as you can this week. And uh, you know, don't you, if you stay home, and you watch Fox News, uh, you're going to go to bed with high blood pressure, okay, and wake up angry and depressed. And it's an election week, isn't it? It's a week to pray about, isn't it? But you come as much as you can, and uh, we won't keep you late, okay? I promise we won't keep you late, and I think you'll be encouraged. That's our heart, church. If you could leave this week and say, you know what, I got something that helped me. I think it'd be worth us driving up here for. I really do. And I think you'll get that because we're going to open the Bible and to give you the Word of God. So I want to encourage you a couple areas. Be here. Secondly, let's pray together. Can we do that? I'm going to pray this week that the Lord would bless us in a, in a good way. We prayed this morning. Our church family back home, my parents and church family, they're praying for our meeting this week. And we'll have people all over the country praying for this church and this meeting this week. So why don't we pray together? Could you do that? What if it were just a minute a day? A minute a day. I mean, you can do that, can't you? Or five minutes a day that you said, you know what, Lord, would you just speak to our church this week and stir us up and save some soul? Boy, that'd be encouraging, wouldn't it? And, and some kid gets saved this week or some adult gets saved this week, and Lord, you just revive us. And then I want to encourage you one more thing, and that's invite somebody. Invite somebody. I mean, you got a you got a coworker, you got a neighbor, you got a family member. Maybe they don't normally come to church, and you you could just tell them. You could say, "Hey, man, you won't believe this hick that they brought in from Alabama." Okay, <laughs> you got to come see this to believe it, man. And and uh, but do invite them to church, and uh, maybe the Lord would change their hearts and lives this week. Wouldn't that be something? And uh, let's just look forward to a good week. I am. I'm excited about this week and what the Lord's going to do. And so, thank you for having us, church. Second Chronicles chapter seven, and uh, we're going to talk about revival this morning. Is that okay? I remember, Brother Stephen, when I went to college, uh, we would talk all the time about revival. And uh, we would almost dream of it. You know, about, man, the Lord stirring our hearts and stirring our country. And I think in some ways we saw some glimpses of that. And I, I think I've been in some meetings where there's been some touches of revival. And God's doing a great work. But I don't know about you, church, this week. I think my family, we need revival. How about you this week? Maybe your church. Could you use revival this week? I know we could. And notice 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. This is a revival verse. And, and some would argue that, but, but I would argue that it's a revival verse because God is very simply teaching His people when they get away from Him and, and, and things aren't as they should be, this is how you get back. This is how you get back where you ought to be in church. Ultimately, that's what revival is. Revival, and I'll say this a few times this morning, is a return to normal Christian living. That's all it is. 
It's just getting back where we ought to have been all along, and yet sometimes we just slip away a little bit, don't we? And notice 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, what God told His people to do when we get away from God a little bit. Notice what He said, verse 14. If my people, which are called by my name, we'll talk about that in a minute, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. You know this morning, church, don't you? There are a lot of needs in our country right now, aren't there? I mean, my goodness, there are. There are economic needs, aren't there? And maybe you're facing some of those. I'm going to tell you, uh, there's a great moral need in our country. Boy, we've seen that slip in recent generations, haven't we? There are social needs and, and, uh, and political needs and, and spiritual needs. But church, I just believe with all my heart this morning that the greatest need for our country right now is the need for revival. And I'm going to tell you where that happens in God's house and amongst God's people. You know, church, I think sometimes we look for answers in the wrong places, don't we? You ever lost something and you spent all day looking in the wrong place only to find out? It was, it was pretty simple. You just, just hadn't found the right place to look for. It reminds me of a man named Ali Hafed. And he's an interesting character. He lived in the Middle East. And Ali Hafed was, a, was a, a pretty wealthy farmer. He had made a good living for himself. And one day Ali Hafed had a, a, a friend come over to his house. And he said, Ali, he said, have you heard about these new uh, mines that they're digging for? And they're called diamond mines. And he said, Ali, he said, if you would find one of these diamond mines, buddy, he said, you'd have more money than you'd know what to do with for the rest of your life. And boy, Ali Hafed who already was a very blessed man, went to bed that night kind of discontented. Kind of kept him up. He was thinking about it. In fact, it drove him crazy. He literally left his family, sold his farm, and spent the rest of his life traveling different places, mining for diamonds, and he couldn't find them. He was looking everywhere. He was digging and digging and digging, and he couldn't find them, and it literally drove him crazy. In fact, the Fed would go on to take his own life. Sometime later, the man that bought Alihafed's farm took his camel or one of his animals down to the little brook, the little stream, uh, to get a drink of water. And as uh, the camel or the animal was drinking, he looked down and in the water, something was reflecting the colors of the rainbow. He bent down and he picked up what you already know uh, was a diamond. And on that very property where Alihafed had lived and been discontented and sold it so we could go and search in diamonds, they would discover the greatest mind in all of human history. Can you imagine? What Alihafed church spent his life looking for out there had been under his feet the whole time. Church, can I tell you the answers uh, for what you need this, this week and today are not found in the White House. They're not found in, in some economic stimulus plan. They're not found in, in some self-help program. The need... For America, the need for our homes and families is found in the house of God and in the word of God and the reviving of God's people. So how does it happen? That's my question. How do you see revival? I mean, it's one thing to say, boy, we need revival. It's one thing to schedule services. I think we ought to do that. I'm thankful you did. Okay, I'm here. And uh, it's one thing to do that. It's one thing to plan services and all those things. But how do we have the true reviving of God in his people. Well, I'm going to tell you, God gives us church to me in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, God's recipe for revival. Now, I'm, a, I'm a, a born and bred and raised and chosen to be Baptist, and I, one thing I know about Baptists, we like to eat, don't we? 
And uh, one of the things, my grandmother, she's a true southern granny. You know, I mean, she just might as well wear gravy and fried chicken on, on everything she wears, you know. And, and uh, she's a true southern granny. And, and, and one of the things about granny, granny's to that point, she's cooked so long she doesn't need the recipe anymore. You know, some of you ladies are there, don't you? You don't have to go look at the book because you know how much is supposed to be in it. And if you ask granny, well, how much, uh, how much lard do you put in that or how much sugar? She may say something like uh, about two pinches. You know what I mean? And that's how she'll measure things. Now, I'm going to tell you, if I were to try that, it'd be a disaster. I need a recipe, okay, Grant? I need you to write down, I need a cup of this, I need a teaspoon of this. And, and here's a recipe, Ethan, that if you'll follow it, you'll get the right result. Church, I'm going to tell you, God's given us this morning a recipe for revival. And what you need this morning is not my plan for revival or your pastor's plan for revival. You need God's plan for revival. God's recipe, and here it is. And so let's look at it this morning. I want to give you this morning. I think God gives us four ingredients in his recipe for revival. I want you to see them this morning. They're right here in the Word of God. Very plain to see. Notice, first of all, he gives us this morning the proposition of revival. Which you notice, first of all, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, notice verse 14, and notice that first word there. It seems small, and it is, and it seems insignificant, but it's not. It's the word if. If. Now, we believe, church, don't you, that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. So God gives us each of those words on purpose. And you know this word if, church, there's a beautiful meaning here. It's a proposition God has given us. If. If. In other words, there's two, thing God, two things God is telling us about revival here. Number one, he's telling us that revival is possible. And aren't you thankful for that this morning? Can I ask you, church family, have you stopped believing that? Have you stopped believing that? You know, sometimes we go to churches and uh, there's almost this mentality of we're just holding on till Jesus comes. Now, I'm looking for Jesus to come this morning. Hey, man, if he came for this service, whatever, that'd be all right, wouldn't it? But... While we're holding on, we ought to be moving forward, shouldn't we? Amen. And I don't think the Lord's done, do you? I don't think the Lord's done with our country. I don't think the Lord's done with His people. And so sometimes in our day-to-day, -day, there's this idea of, well, you know, America's just too far gone, and, and it's just, man, we're just beyond hope, you know? And, and church, I'm going to tell you on the authority of God's Word that revival is still possible because God says if. Yes. He says if. So it's possible. And many people today have lost that. Church, I want to tell you, revival is possible because God says it is. And revival is possible because God doesn't change. Amen? His promises are yea and amen. They don't change. God didn't change His mind. Is He any less powerful to work today? He's not, is He? And so God's still got a plan. He's still moving. I want to tell you this morning, church, God still wants people to be saved, doesn't He? God, God still wants people in this community here to come to Christ. God still wants to build His church. God still wants Christians to live a blessed and holy and fruit-filled and abundant life. God still wants to revive His people. I'll give me some thoughts this morning, some scripture verses that just challenge our faith. But Jesus beheld them, Matthew chapter 19, and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. I love uh, Abraham and Sarah told they're going to have a, a child. And Sarah laughs. And my goodness, ladies, wouldn't you? She's 90. Okay? And uh, she laughs and says it's a little too late. Maybe we can adopt one, you know, or something. And so she's asked the question, and rather the question is asked, well, is anything too hard for the Lord? Church, God, is it too hard for God to revive your church or your family or, or your family member that's away from Jesus? Is it too hard for God to turn the United States of America back to Him? Is it too hard for God to do those things? I don't think it is, is it? So if... There's, a, there's a, a, a proposition that's given us here. Revival 
is possible. Secondly, in this proposition, church, this word if here, here's what I see. God's telling us, you know what, revival's possible, but secondly, it's conditional. It's conditional. Notice what he says. If my people, which are called by my name, and then he gives us this list that we're going to get into, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I. So if, if you do what you ought to do, God says, then I'll do what I, what I say I'm going to do. There's a condition here. Now, you understand conditions, don't you? You understand conditions. I don't know how many in your, uh, your house, uh, but perhaps you own it. You don't owe anything on it. But, you know, when you buy a house, most of the time nowadays, you have a mortgage on that house. And what they tell you is, you know what, Ethan, if you'll make this monthly payment, if you make that payment, we'll let you keep your house, right? And there's a condition on me owning my house, isn't there? And you know what happens if I don't make that payment, or maybe it's a couple months I don't make that payment, they're going to come and say, hey, buddy, you got to go, right? Okay, You've not held up your end of the bargain. We make conditions with our children sometimes. Pastor will come into a church, or we're going to go, uh, we're going to go out to eat, and we'll say, hey, listen, we want you guys to be on your best behavior. And uh, if you will be on your best behavior and just not totally embarrass the Lee Croy name, okay, uh, then, then we may get a special treat when we're all said and done, okay? We may go out for a special treat for us, it's like ice cream, okay? And uh, if you'll behave and if you'll, you'll, you'll act like you ought to, then, then, then we'll have a little reward for you. And so we understand conditions, and what God has just done, church, is He's given His people a condition here. In other words, church, if you'll, if you'll do these things, God's people, if, if we'll do these things, then God will do His part. So there's a proposition here. It's conditional. God's making a deal with His people. And here's what I want you to know, church. God will always do His part. Amen? Amen? You ever been in a revival service? I, I grew up in church, and so I attended a lot of revivals before I started preaching revivals, you know? And, and sometimes you'll be in a revival service, and after the services, after the meetings, somebody will ask you, hey, how was the meetings? How was old so-and-so preaching and all that? And you, you might say something like, or you might hear something like, boy, it was a, it was a great meeting, but you know, it just, we just, you know, it was like the Lord just wasn't, wasn't moving like we thought. Or, you know, we just didn't see happen what, what we're really hoping for. It was good preaching, and the singing, man, the singing was pretty good. And, but, you know, the Lord just really, Lord didn't show up the way that we were really hoping for. And you know what we're saying? Or implying that it was God's fault. Yeah. Church, can I just tell you a fact that, that I've come through out of the Word of God? Can I tell you, if I don't see revival this week, and our family, we don't see revival, and your church doesn't see revival, or your family doesn't see revival, here's what I can tell you this morning. It will not be God's fault. Amen? Sometimes we go through a week of meetings and we just say, well, you know, God just didn't. No, no, no. It wasn't that God didn't. It's we didn't. Amen? Yeah. There's a proposition here. And if revival doesn't happen this week, as the Lecroy family, if we don't see revival, it'll not be because God didn't do his part. It's because we didn't do our part. You see that this morning. And so there's a proposition here. If, if you do these things, then I will do my part. And God always, always, always does his part. But church, you know this morning, revival only comes God's way. So there's a prop proposition here. Notice the second ingredient that he gives us. Go back, 2 Chronicles chapter number 7. And verse 14, the proposition, but now notice secondly, the second ingredient is the people. The people of revival. Notice what he says, if my people, which are called by my name. You know, pastor already told us this this morning, and, and, and he had it exactly right. Revival is for God's people. It's for saved people. And I want to explain to you why. You think this morning about the idea of reviving someone physically. I don't know if we have any EMTs in the room and, and or firefighters or anyone like that, but 
in a, in, in a physical sense, if, if, if you get a call on someone and maybe their heart rate's too low. Or their blood pressure's just, boy, it's just bottomed out. Or their sugar, something is not where it should be normally. And in order to revive them, maybe we have to shock them or get their heart going. Or we're just trying to get them back, get that heart back where it should be. Get that blood pressure back where it should be. Uh, get, get, get that sugar level back where it should be. That's somebody who's already been alive, who is in a subnormal state of living. we got to get them back. Does that make sense? Church, the same thing is true spiritually. It's for someone who's already been alive spiritually, but has fallen into a subnormal state of Christian living. And revival is us getting back. Does that make sense this morning? So revival's for God's people. Church, revival's for us. Revival's for me. And here's what I want to tell you, church, this morning. Revival never, never comes to your life if it's for them. You turn the news on this morning. You turn social media on this morning. And we see people doing all kinds of things. And we say, boy, man, they need revival. No. They don't need revival. They need the gospel. They need Jesus. They're acting like people act when they don't know Christ and they're apart from Him and not saved and don't know any better and don't know that God has a plan for their life. You know he, who needs revival this morning? We do. I do. The church of God does. That's who revival is if my people. It's not for those who don't know Him and are not saved. It's for His people. Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee. Luke chapter 15 is the story of the prodigal son. Isn't that a great story in the Bible? I mean, that's one of my favorites because I think that's my story sometimes. I mean, the pig's pen. But you know, as far away as that son could run, he was still a son, wasn't he? He was still a son. You know why? The blood. He had his father's blood in his veins. You know, as a Christian, there's a beautiful symbol there, isn't there? If you're a child of God this morning, it's because His blood has covered your sins. And I do want to ask you this morning, before we go any further in this revival, are you God's people? I'm not asking you this morning, do you know about God? Or have you grown up in church? Or are you a member of this church? You know the fun thing a little bit, Pastor, in coming into a new church? I don't know who's who. You know, I don't know if it's like your first week or like you built the building, okay? I don't know this morning. But it, really to me, it doesn't matter this morning because either way, you need to be a Christian. You need to be saved. You need to know that you're God's people this morning. Church, can I tell you this morning, you're a sinner just like we all are, aren't you? I'm going to tell you, Pastor, I preached for years that we all have a sin nature. And then I had kids and it became real. You know what I mean? I'm going to tell you, I never one time, and I'm pretty sure Bethany didn't, we never taught our kids how to lie. We never, you know, as we're teaching them how to read, we never said, now here's how not to tell the truth. You know what I mean? We never taught our kids, this is how you be selfish. This is how you take a toy when your brother or sister has it. This is how you push them down and walk away and laugh in their face. You know, we never taught them any of those things. But they're good at those things. I'm going to tell you. You go to the nursery, it's one of the roughest places to be in a church on Sunday morning, I'm telling you. And you know why? Because we have a sin nature, don't we? We don't have to be how to, uh, taught how to do those things. We just know how to do those things. We're sinners. And you know the problem with that sin church, don't you, is that it separates us from God. I told your teens, I told the young people last night, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Now you understand what a wage is, don't you? It's something you earn. I told them my first real job 
was at uh, the spiritual chicken place called Chick-fil-A. Amen? And uh, we, I worked at Chick-fil-A. And, uh, and when I first started working at Chick-fil-A, minimum wage was five eighty-five. Now, some of you remember when it was a lot lower than that, okay? But for these teens, that's just unbelievable. What would you do with $5.85? And today, not much, right? But back then it was. And what they said is, Ethan, every hour you work, that's what you earn. Church, you understand, when God says the wages of my sin is death, that's what I've earned. That's what I deserve. It's not that God is some just mean, cruel God who just loves punishing people. It's no, I'm a wicked sinner who deserves hell. I don't deserve to go to heaven. There's nothing good in me. Boy, if I went to heaven without the blood of Jesus Christ, I'd, I'd mess heaven all up. I'm going to tell you. So I deserve to sin, but God loved us and sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to pay for our sins. What a thought this morning. That's what we've been singing about, isn't it? I mean, that's why we're here this morning. But church, you understand this morning that coming to church doesn't get you saved, does it? Getting in a baptistry doesn't get you saved, it just gets you wet, right? The only thing that saves you, the Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's by grace that you're saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works. Lest any man should boast, you can't be a good person and go to heaven. You can't say, well, I'll cover up all those bad deeds with good deeds. You tell me, you know this morning, you walk into a court of law, and, and, and you've been caught red-handed committing some crime. And you say, hey, listen, judge, listen, I know this was really bad, and you got it on tape, and you got the DNA, but man, I've done so many good things. And couldn't all those good deeds just take care of this one bad deed? Couldn't they just erase it and make you forget about it? Does that work if he's a good judge? It doesn't, does it? And I want to tell you, God is not just a good judge. He's, he's the judge. And none of those good deeds take away bad deeds. Being in church doesn't take away the fact that you're a liar and, and, and maybe you've stolen and thought things you shouldn't and done. All of us have done those things. And the only thing that takes away those things is the blood of Jesus Christ. And this morning, I'm asking you, just from the bottom of my heart, I'm not asking you're in church. I'm not asking you, do you believe that there is a God or that Jesus is God? I'm asking you, do you know Him as your Savior this morning? Could you tell me about a time where you came to the end of yourself and said, you know what, I realize I can't save myself, but I realize Jesus has done everything that needs to be done. He died, He rose again, and I remember the day where I put my faith in Him alone for my salvation. Can I tell you, if you've not had that day, then today can be that day. And if you've not had that day, you can't have revival. Because revival is for God's people. Amen? Yeah. Notice the third ingredient. We saw the proposition and the people of revival. Now notice the prerequisites of revival. And you know what prerequisites are, don't you? Those are things that have got to happen before you get the result that you need. And notice what he says. If my people, which are called by my name, shall... Here's the list. Number one, humble themselves. Now I'm going to tell you, Pastor, that's an easy one to preach and a hard one to practice. I am, uh, by nature, humility... Doesn't come real natural natural to most of us, does it? And what God says is, listen, people, if you want revival, you need to humble yourself. The word humble there means to bend the knee or to bring down low into subjection. Church, can I tell you the truth? Revival never comes to a prideful heart. Never. Because pride keeps us from seeing our need, doesn't it? Pride the prideful heart says, Boy, she needs revival. Boy, them over there on that other end, boy, they need revival. No. Revival is, God, I need revival. Lord, it's for me. It's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. 
So pride keeps us from seeing our need. Pride keeps us from following God's plan and reaching out to Him and humbling ourselves and praying and doing what we ought to do. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with Him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. Notice this, church, to revive the spirit of the humble. Did you notice that? And to revive the heart of the contrite ones. So if we want revival this morning, we have to bend a knee, don't we? We have to say, Lord, you know what? I've not been what I ought to be. It's not my pastor's fault or my church's fault or the 21st century's fault or our president's fault or any of those things. Lord, it's my fault that I've not been what I ought to be for you. So, Lord, I'm going to humble myself before a holy God. Church, do you remember when Isaiah saw the Lord? Isaiah chapter 6. He saw the Lord holy, uh, holy, holy. Remember the thrice holy God? And he's high and lifted up. And then you know what Isaiah's response was? Isaiah's response, church, was not, boy, God, those people, the children of Israel, boy, they sure are wicked. It was not, boy, these children of Israel that you've sent me to minister to, boy, that man, they sure do need you and they need the work of God. You know what Isaiah's response was, church? Woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. Church, can I just say what I've learned as an evangelist? That I don't ever need to come into a meeting like this and say, boy, this church needs revival. I need to come in meetings and say, boy, I need revival. And I'm going to tell you what happens, church. When you see revival, people around you experience it. When you see revival, mom and dad, your kids get a hold of it. You see revival, sir, your wife will get a touch of it. I'm going to tell you, but it's got to be for you. You've got to humble yourself. Notice the second thing he says, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray. And pray. I asked you already. we got to pray this week, church. D.L. Moody, the great evangelist, said, Every great movement of God can be traced to a kneeling figure. No prayer, no power. No prayer, no answers. You have not because you ask not. Would it not be said at church this week about Community Bible Church that we did not experience revival because we didn't ask for it? Isn't that the least we could do this week? Even if you don't come, even if, you know, because of work or because of other issues, you don't come, could you at least pray for the people that do come? At least pray for, for us as a, as a church family that we would see revival. He says, humble yourselves and pray, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. This is a challenging quote by Hudson Taylor, who's a great missionary of the past. And he said this, he said, since the days of Pentecost, has the whole church ever put aside every other work, and waited upon Him for ten days, that the Spirit's power might be manifested. We give too much attention to method and machinery and resource, and too little to the source of power. Church, can I just tell you, if you experience revival, and I experience revival this week, it won't be because of the preacher. I know him, and sure enough, it won't be because of him. And it won't be because, you know, we plan the service out just right. You know, if we have revival, it would be because God does a work in our hearts this week. David Brainerd was a great missionary to the Indians and uh, died 20-something years old, I think, Pastor. Just a young man died. And, and David Brainerd saw some things happen amongst the Native Americans that other people had not. And so people were very curious. Why is it that he sees great revival? Why is it that he sees uh, many of these Native American Indians come to Christ? And, and what's the secret to his success? What is he doing that others did not? And, and how can we keep that going? And somebody commented they had found the secret to success of David Brainerd. He said David Brainerd would often go out before his meetings or during his ministry, and he would go out and kneel in as much as a foot of snow at night to meet with the Lord. 
It said he would kneel there and he would pray and he would agonize in prayer and go on and on and beg the Lord to do a work amongst the people and, and touch these people's hearts so they would be open to the gospel and receive the word of God. And they said before David Brainerd would get up out of that snow, must have been freezing, that he would be drenched with sweat. He had been so persevering in prayer. I'm going to tell you, church, we need that kind of praying this week. Oh, that God would just humble us this week and cause us to pray, God, would you touch my family and touch my marriage and touch my kids this week? And God, get us back where we need to be. Give us that passion all over again. Stir us up again this week. God, return us. So he says, humble yourself and pray. Notice what else he says. He says, if my people will humble themselves and pray. And notice he says, seek my face. That word seek there, church, it means to search out by any means, specifically in worship, in prayer. It's God, you know what? No matter what I need to set aside, no, no matter what it is that's come between me and you, God, you're most important. And, and if there's some time I need to give up this week or something I need to get out of my way so that I can seek you, Lord, and get in your word and worship you and see you do a work in my heart, God, I'm going to seek you. It's worth it this week. You're my priority. And aren't you thankful, church? Aren't you thankful that the Bible says, and ye shall seek me and search me with all your heart? Or sorry, when he says, seek you the Lord while he may be found, call you upon him while he's near. He'll be found. Isn't that wonderful? Church, I'm going to tell you this week, if you want revival, you can have it. If you want God to do work in your heart this week, you can have it. You can get back where you ought to be. You can see the Lord stir up. You can get victory over sin. You can have that passion return to you this week. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost us something. We've got to seek God's face again. A.W. Tozer said, Our mistake is that we want God to send revival on our terms. We want to get the power of God into our hands to call it to us that it may work for us in promoting and furthering our kind of Christianity. We want still to be in charge, guiding the chariot through the religious sky in the direction that we want it to go, shouting, Glory to God, but modestly accepting a share of the glory for ourselves in a nice, inoffensive sort of way. Notice what he said, church. We're calling on God to send fire on our altars, completely ignoring the fact that there are altars and not God's. And so this week, may we just say, God, you know what? We've, we got services plans and we have plans, you know, and, and, and we got things that are going on, but God, just whatever you want to do, you just have free reign to do it this week. God, we just want to seek you. We just want to know you this week. We just want to be closer to you this week. Some of you folks, you've known God all your life. You, there's been decades you've spent in church and you've sat in revival services. But oh, that this week you could say, God, just the next level. God, give me the next step. Give me a fresh passion. So he says we've got to seek God's face. And then notice the last prerequisite he gives us. He says, if you'll humble yourself and pray and seek my face and turn from your wicked ways. Very simply, that Bible word is repent. Repent. Whatever it is in my life that comes between me and Jesus Christ, he says, turn from it. Revelation chapter 3, you don't have to go there this morning for sake of time, church, but that's the church in Laodicea. And remember, their description is they're the church that is lukewarm. You remember that church? And God says, I want you caught. I'd rather you were hot or cold, and because you're lukewarm, I'm just going to spew you out of my mouth. What a thing to have said about your church, right? That is not what you want the Lord saying about your church. And so what he says is, listen, I have a remedy for you. Here it is. He said, be zealous, therefore, and repent. Repent. And then you know the cool thing about repentance? You know what the next verse is after that? He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. 
If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Isn't that cool, church? You know what follows revival and repentance when we say, you know what, this sinful way, this idolatry, this whatever love that's come between me and my Lord, as I'm turning from that and I'm turning back to the Lord, this fellowship is returned. Revival happens. Isn't that wonderful? If... The proposition, my people, that's us this week, the people of revival will fulfill these prerequisites. And let's look at the fourth ingredient. We're done this morning. And that very simply is the promise. The promise. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then, notice this church, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Aren't you thankful for the wills there? God didn't say it might happen or it could happen. This is not a weather prediction, okay? Like 50% chance, you know, or it might happen. He says, you know what? If you'll do what you ought to do, I will. I will. Notice what he says he will. First of all, he says he'll hear us. Boy, what a blessing. Can I tell you the God of the universe will hear you when you cry out to him this morning? What a comfort, church. There's what? Close to 8 billion people on our planet, and yet God knows your name this morning. God hears your heart. You may be running as hard as you can from Him. You may not be saved this morning, but you come to Him. You come to faith and He'll hear you this morning. I love that. 1 John 5, 14, this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. But notice, not only does He say He'll hear, secondly, He says He'll forgive. For Thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive, and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon Thee. Church, can I tell you, our God is not that God. Sometimes we get this idea, He's the God that's waiting to stomp on us. He's the guy that, God that's waiting that, you know, we just mess up and He just, boom. You know who our God is? Well, we've already talked about it, but He is the Father in the story of the prodigal son, isn't He? With open arms saying, hey, come back. Come back. Come back. Come back to me. He's the God that's willing to forgive. If we confess our sins, He's faithful. It means He'll do it every time. And just, that means He has the right to do it. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So he'll, He will hear us and He will forgive us. And notice thirdly, He will heal us. I tell you, church, uh, America's broken, isn't it? But God can heal. Amen. You may be in the room this morning and your marriage is broken. And maybe nobody knows about it, but God can heal. You may have been this morning and your life is broken. I mean, you're just here. Maybe it's a last chance thing. Just, God, I'm going to give you one more chance. And I don't know if anything will happen. But I'm going to tell you, God can heal. God can restore. Doesn't, isn't it amazing how God takes broken things and makes them whole? And not only makes them whole, He makes them better. I mean, He uses, he uses those things in our life. And here's what I'm saying this morning, church. Just believe God again. Believe God can do it again. He can revive. He can restore. He can heal. He'll hear you this morning. Jonathan Goforth, another great missionary, said, If revival is being withheld from us, it is because some idol remains still enthroned. Because we still insist in placing our reliance in human schemes. Because we still refuse to face the unchangeable truth that it's not by might, but by my spirit. Church, you can have revival, but it's got to be on God's terms this week. I'll share an illustration. I'll be done. 1949, the Isle of Lewis. Pastor, I think the first time I ever heard this illustration, the story told was Scott Pauley. tells it in an amazing way. And so I've done some study on it. And there was an island off the coast of Scotland called the Isle of Lewis, and it was a very dark uh, island spiritually. One of the things about this island, they tell us, is that no teenagers, no young people ever came to church. I love kids coming to church. You know, it brings some life, doesn't it? 
I mean, it brings some dirt and some candy and those things, but praise God for it. Praise God. We, we love. Uh, we have our home church uh, on a weekly basis has 60-something teens and 70, 80 kids, and we love it. Man, bring them in. But on this island, churches were dead. No, no kids went to church. And so two older ladies in the congregation there that was pretty dead, pretty lifeless, got a burden that God would revive their island. They were both in their 80s. One of them was basically blind. And so they started praying, God, would you send revival to our island? They would pray on, uh, I think it was Tuesday nights or Tuesday and Thursday nights. And, and listen to this, they would pray from around 10 p.m. until like 3 and 4 a.m. in the morning. Church, that's wanting it. And they started praying, and, 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 you know, not much was happening. But finally, one evening as they were praying, one of the sweet ladies, she, she, she got the other lady's attention. She said, Sister, she said, I want you to know, God's moving in my spirit. I think God's answering our prayer. I think this island's going to see revival. And so the other lady said, well, what should we do about it? They didn't know, so they went to the pastor. It's a great idea uh, when, when you need some spiritual help. So they went to the pastor. They said, Pastor, listen, we've been praying for revival. We think God's going to send it. And in some senses, the pastor had the same idea. Well, what do you want me to do about it, right? What am I supposed to do? How do you want this to come about? And they came up with the idea, well, maybe, Pastor, you could get some of the men and y'all could come pray with us. So they did. Tuesday, Thursday nights, they put the ladies in the house, they put the men in the barn. And I think that's kind of funny. You know, maybe there's some symbolism there, I don't know. But they put the men in the barn, and the men would pray, and the ladies would pray 10 p.m. until 3 and 4 a.m. in the morning. One night, one of the deacons in the barn, God started moving on him, and he just fell into the Holy Spirit's conviction. He, he turned to his fellow, his pastor and the other men praying. He said, listen, he said, how can we pray for God to revive our island when I don't even think I'm right with God? Their testimony, he walked to the other side of the barn. They said it was like it was just him and God in the barn. And he began crying out to God, 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 is my heart pure? Are my hands clean? For too long he was on his face just confessing sin, just, just getting right with God. Everybody, everyone in the barn was getting right with the Lord. And, and, and what they didn't know that night, and they couldn't plan. You don't plan stuff like this, is that all over the island of Lewis that night, people were waking up under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and getting right with God. Church, God does stuff like that, doesn't he? They called for a preacher. His name was Duncan Campbell. And Duncan Campbell, because his schedule was busy, he said, I've only got two weeks. I'll come for two weeks, and I'll, we'll have meetings, and we'll just see what God does. And so he, of course, they didn't have Delta or Southwest or those things. And so he got on a ship and went to this Isle of Lewis. And when he got to the island, it was 9 o'clock at night. And uh, they said, Do uh, Dr. Campbell, there, there's a group of people that are meeting in the church and they're praying. And would you mind just coming on down and sharing a few words and then, you know, we'll let you uh, check in and, and, and get some rest for the night. And Dr. Campbell said, sure. We got to the house that night, the church house, there were 300 people. Nine o'clock at night. They, they read some scriptures, they did some praying, God move in our midst. And then Dr. Campbell said, all right, folks, he said, I'm going to go and get some rest and, and we'll get this thing going tomorrow. And so Dr. Campbell was making his way down the middle aisle, and a gentleman came to help him. He didn't know it, but it was that first deacon that God had gotten a hold of that night. And as they were making their way down that aisle, that deacon stopped with Dr. Campbell, and he looked up and he said, God, you promised us, and you can't fail us now. About that, that time, as they were making their way down the aisle, the, the, the back doors busted open, and it was a local blacksmith. And he said, hey, listen, uh, y'all got to come out here. He said, we don't know what's going on, really, but y'all need to come out here. So Dr. Campbell and the, the deacon, they made their way out the back doors of that church, and there were 600 people standing outside the church. 100 of them were teenagers. True story, they had been at a dance that night, and uh, for some reason couldn't find pleasure. They, they were under conviction. <laughs> 
is what it was. And so they said, well, this is no fun. So they made their way out of the dance hall. They looked down the street, and one of the only lights that was on was the light in the church. And so they just made their way down to the church. 600 people outside, 300 people inside. Dr. Campbell spoke for a little bit. He said, folks, he said, listen, if you're not going home, let's go inside. And so they had a service, and God moved people getting saved. Dr. Campbell's testimony, church, he said on his way back to the, to the room where he was staying, the house where he was staying, wherever he was that night, he said people were kneeling in ditches alongside of the road confessing their sins to the Lord. The revival that was supposed to last for two weeks lasted for three years. It's called the New Hebrides Revival. Church, I've read, in fact, I've listened to part of Dr. Campbell's testimony. He gave a testimony in Canada to a church about how God moved. They were having services all around the clock. They wanted revival so bad, it didn't matter if it was 1 or 2 a.m. Or, or what else needed done. They would just stop. Literally, they would meet in fields. It was unbelievable. God was stirring them up. And look, church, I look at a, at a meeting like that, and I think, boy, that's amazing. And then I look back and say, how did that happen? Two ladies. Two ladies. Got a burden to see revival and started praying for it and seeking God and humbling themselves. And a whole island benefited from it. And church, I want to tell you, you may be the only one, but be the only one. Amen. Why don't we this week say, you know what? I'm going to humble myself before a holy God and I'm going to have revival. Dr. Campbell was being interviewed sometime down the road. A young man was asking him, how did you do the services? How did you do all that? And finally, Dr. Campbell stopped him and he said, son, he said, listen, church, I think this is so good. He said, do not let the revival of the New Hebrides rob you of your own. Church, we've heard about revival for so long. I listened to my grandparents talk about meetings that you just didn't want to quit. Man, it was unbelievable. But, but have we let those things rob us of seeing revival today? If there's a proposition. So it's possible this morning. You believe that? It's possible this morning, but it's conditional. God's given us condition. My people, are you God's people this morning? Can I tell you, church, if you're not saved this morning, you need to come. In a moment, we'll sing. You come. We'll take a Bible, show you how to be saved. You can walk out those doors knowing you'll spend all of eternity in heaven. If my people, so there's a people, shall, so there's some prerequisites, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I. Here's a promise. Church, you can have revival this morning, but it's got to be God's way. Let's pray together. Father, we love you this morning. Lord, it's me standing in the need of prayer, and you know that this morning. God, it's me that needs stirring. It's me that needs revival. It's our family, Lord, you need to work in us. But Lord, who else this morning? 